Good morning. I appreciate you guys having me today. I, uh, you know, this morning was leaving. I'm married and have two little boys, and today's our first day of football practice. So I'm on my way out the door, and I tell my wife, I'm like, say your prayer for me today. And she was like, oh, I'm sure practice will, practice will be fine. Like, I'm not worried about practice, right? That's not what I, I, I feel good about that. Pray for uh, me getting to come speak to you guys today, and I'm glad to be here. Um, it really is something special that I think we have at our school um, where we get this time. And um, that's one thing that if this is where you guys have been, um, when you get out in the real world, what you have here, you don't necessarily have day in and day out. And this is my second time here at North Greenville. I've been at some other schools. And um, that was when I was here the first time and I left, that was a hard lesson for me to learn um, is that the, just the consistent Christ-centered atmosphere that you're in, you don't always get that. And don't take it for granted, okay? Um, one thing that I had had on my mind that I wanted to share with you, and obviously being a coach, um, everything that I kind of do seems to be tailored towards athletics. That's just who I am. Um, that's kind of how my mind works. That's why that's what I do. Um, but I wanted to talk to you today about your special gifts and abilities, okay? Because each of us have that, right? Maybe yours is math. Maybe somebody's is science. Maybe yours is writing. Um, it could be many things. Maybe it is athletics. But here's my question. How are you using that to the greatest glory of God? Yeah. Right? So every single thing that you have, every talent, God gave that to you. He put that inside of you and he fosters that. And I feel like it's, it's our duty to try to find those things, maybe that we might do a little better than other people, try to exemplify those and try to do the best we can to let people realize we're trying to glorify God by doing that, right? So obviously I'm an athletic guy. I'm not going to get up here and talk football and all that stuff. But um, one thing that, that I like to speak about sometimes when I get to talk to groups um, that is athletic, but it pertains to a lot of people, sporting event, the Olympics, okay? So I want you to think about the Olympics, all right? And for me, every couple years, whether it's the Winter Olympics, Summer Olympics, um, I enjoy watching, right? So um, Team America, that's it. If you're from somewhere else, then you have somewhere to pull for. Everybody has a country that they can pull for, they can get behind, right? So you're watching the Summer Olympics. I see a lot of basketball. I understand track. We see those. We have those here. But then there's rifle shooting. There's cross-country biking, all those things. So I'm sitting there watching a cross-country biking race at, you know, late night, 12 in the morning, um, not having any idea what's going on, but pulling for the guy wearing the American flag, right? So the, when you start thinking about the Olympics, there's one name that comes to mind above all for me. That's Michael Phelps, okay? So um, obviously when he was making his big run, winning all those gold medals, I was in college, um, and he was a big deal, a really big deal. And started doing some research on There was a big article for him in ESPN, the magazine. And um, actually, I read part of a book that was written about him. And a couple interesting things about him. And what I want you to realize is he's a swimmer. He might be the greatest swimmer, greatest Olympian to ever live. Okay? And I want you to understand how God specifically made him for that one specific thing to be great. Okay? So think about this. All right, one thing that you understand, like I'm 6'2". So when I hold my arms out... Okay, from fingertip to fingertip, that's 6'2". That's on average how it is. So your wingspan of your arm length, that's how tall you are. All right? Michael Phelps, okay, he is, I'm sorry, his wingspan is 6'7". He's 6'4". 
So he has extra long arms. Okay? So that means that he can have more powerful propulsion in the water. Okay? They work like paddles, and they make it um, where he can move faster. Okay? The next thing about him, and this was maybe the most mind-boggling thing of all, his lower body is shorter than the, the average man. Okay? So his legs, from here down, he has the legs of a 5'10 person. But he has the upper body to his head of a 6'8 person. All right? That's why when you look at him, he kind of looks disproportionate, right? Because he is. All right? But that makes it where he, his body fits into a perfect plane in the water. And because of those proportions, he can glide through the water better than most people. Okay? All right? So he has a size 14 foot, which isn't terribly big. It's big, but there are swimmers with bigger feet, I guess. Okay? But he has double-jointed ankles. All right? So if you asked him to, he could stand on his tippy-toes like a ballerina. Okay, so what that lets him do when he's in the water and you see him under the water kicking, he's literally able to kick like a dolphin does. Okay, because his ankles can move in a way that nobody else does. All right, because of the way his body's made, he has less lactic acid that builds up in his body. Okay, so I'm a coach, I'm not a science major, but my coach understanding of that is when you use your muscles and when they're done, that builds up around them and you need time for that to recover so you can go again. Well, you watch him win all these races in a row. He'll race like four times in four hours. It's because his body's made up to get rid of that lactic acid, unlike most people, okay? He has ADD, all right, which a lot of people, I would think, would see that as something you have to overcome that's a negative. For him, it's a positive because it makes him want to swim all the time because he needs something to do, okay? So that's been an advantage for him over time, okay? He can consume 12,000 calories a day. Okay, he swims almost 100 miles a week, all right? All those things are unique to him. Like the Lord literally pieced him together piece by piece to make him great at swimming. And that's my question for you is, how has he pieced you together piece by piece and what has he tried to make you great at, right? So think about this. Maybe it's your voice being able to sing, right? The last thing you want me to do is be up here on a microphone singing, right? But obviously the people that are up here today did a great job. That's one of their skills, okay? Maybe you have artistic ability, all right? Maybe you're able to understand medicine in a way that can save lives. Maybe that's your thing, okay? What has he put you together to do? One thing that I do think is important to understand, you don't have to be a preacher, you don't have to be a reverend, you don't have to be a deacon in the church, you don't have to do any of that to glorify God. It's just what you're doing, how do you glorify God? I feel like I glorify God through how I coach football, right? So everybody can do that the way that God made you and where he has put you, all right? A couple things, and I, we're going to get into a little bit of biblical, um, tying that in a little bit, but one thing I want to challenge you with that I think is really important, especially for young people, okay? So you're 18 to 22, you're trying to figure things out, you're about to head out there into the real world, all right? Find a couple life verses that really speak to you that you can hold on to, Okay? couple things where no matter what happens, you feel like that describes me. Because there's one thing that I know for sure. I carry this Bible around. My dad gave me this Bible. First Bible, he said he read um, first word to last word, right? So I keep it with me in my office. Every single word in here is straight from the Lord, yeah. right? There's no mistake about it. So when you see something in there and it speaks to you, it's speaking to you for a reason. So like for me, my two life verses, the first verse I ever memorized at vacation Bible school when I was like five. Second Timothy 1 verse 7, 
God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but one of power, love, and self-discipline. Okay? So that's when I first one I've ever learned. My grandparents at their church, the preacher would give you candy if you memorize verses. Right? So all us little kids, when I go visit grandma, I'd have a verse memorized and he'd give me candy. And that stuck with me forever. Okay? 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do not all runners race, but only one receive the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Okay? In athletics, I see that a lot. Okay? But later on in that verse, it talks about how we're trying to achieve an eternal prize. Right? Not one here on earth. But those two I've always kept with me. Okay? And have always really spoken to me. So... We have abilities, okay? Those abilities we have, we're trying to grow those. Keep making them as positive as we can be. Like you want to be moving forward, right? Not take your abilities for granted. All right, but what about using our abilities through circumstances? All right, so what I want to talk to you about today, okay, is Joseph. All right, so Old Testament, okay? Some Old Testament stuff, which I'm a New Testament guy, right? Old Testament's hard. I know you've all taken that class. It's hard, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm getting some head nods on that one. That's right. So, but talking about him, and I want you to just understand, maybe you know a story, maybe you don't, but maybe you'll hear something that can relate to you because I do think we all can get something out of this, okay? Joseph, all right, he's a man who was diligent in following God's calling, all right? No matter where it took him, all right? He believed in his path no matter where God directed him, all right? And sometimes it wasn't directing him to the places that maybe he felt were best for him, Okay, but he always followed that path. He made the most of his abilities and the opportunity that God had given him, even if it wasn't ideal for him. Okay, and that's what I think you've got to understand, guys. As you're going through, you know, y'all are students, you're living your life here in college, but you have a personal life too, right? Maybe you're going through something with your family. Maybe it's a brother and sister. Maybe it's parents, who knows, friends. But whatever situation God's put you through, he knows you're in that situation, right? He is with you through that situation. And Joseph is a great example of that. So a little bit about him, okay, so you can understand where he's coming from. He was the 11th son of Jacob, all right? So he had 10 older brothers, all right? And his dad, straight up, was not very shy in saying that Joseph was his favorite, all right? So you've got all these older brothers that already pick on their little brother. Hearing that's not what they probably want to hear, right? Okay, so they finally heard it enough, all right? And Joseph, he had a dream, all right? And in his dream, it said that he was going to, have supremacy over his brothers okay well that's the last thing you want to hear from your little brother right okay so they didn't like that so they decided after their hatred continued to grow okay that they had a plot to kill him so the older brothers had decided that wasn't going to happen we're going to take care of this and handle it on our own okay instead at the very last minute what they decided to do the cliff notes version is sell him into slavery okay so he got sold and he was taken to Egypt as a slave. All right. He began working for a man named Potiphar. All right. So now he's a slave. He's going to end up being with Potiphar. And he becomes a great administrator of Potiphar's affairs. So as you read the story, okay, what Potiphar starts realizing is everything Joseph's involved in does well. Okay. So what am I going to do? I'm going to make him in charge of more stuff. Because I give him more stuff and that stuff starts doing well. Right. And it continually builds. When I see that, when I was reading it and, and getting prepared, I mean, isn't that a challenge for us? Right? It's being in charge of the big things, that's the fun stuff. But can you be in charge of the little things and treat them like the big things? Because that glorifies God the exact same way as a big thing. Right? So understand that. All right? The little things, God will reward you for doing those the right way. 
and he will give you bigger things. All right, so just think about that, okay? In Genesis 39.2, it says, the Lord was with Joseph, okay? So the Lord was with him. So at this point, he went from feeling like he was going to be, end up taking over his family. Now he's sold into slavery, okay? But the Lord was with him this whole time, okay? So now Potiphar's, or he's there, he's with Potiphar, um, and Joseph's doing a good job, all right? So next curveball, all right? Potiphar's wife, she began to try to tempt Joseph, all right? So Joseph's in the position where he's resisting temptation straight from the devil, just like we resist temptation every day, okay? The devil is real. We live in a fallen world, and that temptation is there. So the temptation shows up. He's a strong guy. He resists the temptation, all right? So good for him, but the temptation keeps coming. Potiphar's wife keeps trying to tempt him, okay? He's in a position where if, if he gave into this temptation with Potiphar's wife, no one would know, Okay? But he keeps trying to be a righteous man, keeps trying to do what he knows right, keeps trying to be a vessel for the Lord, okay? Now, the tempting becomes so serious, okay, that he feels like he needs to leave, all right? And I think that's a great lesson for a lot of people that are 18 to 22. When you're tempted, sometimes the best thing to do is just turn around and leave, right? It's hard to do. It's hard to do, but that's a great lesson right there of what Joseph did that I think we can learn from. Okay, so he has left. He has done the right thing. As he fled, Potiphar's wife's upset, so she starts saying things about him that weren't true, that he had made a move on her, that he had done all these things. So now here he is trying to do the right thing, but still on the wrong side of things, okay, but continuing to be righteous. All right, so here's what happens. He, he's fled. He looks guilty. They toss him into prison. All right, so here we are, right, and that happens to us in real life. Sometimes you try to do the right thing, but maybe something good doesn't come out of it. And that happens. Like, here's one thing that I struggle with. It's, well, here's how, I, here's how I live. Like, I'm a coach, so I try to live this life, but here's this person that doesn't live this godly life, and look at the success they're having, right? You fight those battles all the time. So, but keep trying to do the righteous thing, no matter what happens, trying to make sure that you're keeping that first and foremost, okay? So this is the second time that he's been punished for being righteous. So it's a hard lesson to learn. You would think at this point, if he kind of gave up, you, it'd be hard to blame him. It would. It'd be hard to blame him, okay? So now he's gone from Jacob's favorite son to a slave to a prisoner, okay? So he's sitting in prison, so what's he going to do? type of guy is, I'm going to make the most out of being in prison. No one wants to be here, okay? And I'm here for the wrong reasons, but I'm going to make the most of it, okay? One may argue Okay, that while God did not rescue, I'm sorry, one may ask, why did God not rescue him from his troubles? Okay, and he probably asked that. All right, but here's the thing that you don't know. What is God's plan and purpose for this event in my life? Okay, so here I am, I'm sitting here, I'm not here by accident. God has me here, okay? We see the immediate. We see what's happening right now in front of us, right? We try to take it day by day. We try to live day by day, Okay. God sees things that haven't even happened that we can't even think about. Like the situation we're in in our world right now, God's known that since the beginning of time, that in 2020, this is where we'd be, right? So he knows, whatever he has with each one of us, he knows the situation that we're in, okay? Joseph continues to be faithful. He does not give up, okay? The Lord blessed him in all his work he did in the prison, okay? So he's a prisoner. He's in the prison, okay? Everything they asked him to do. He tried to do his best, 
All right, so eventually what happens is the jailer of the, in charge of the jail comes to him and says, hey, I want you to be in charge of all the prisoners. Okay? So now here he is. He's a prisoner in charge of all the prisoners. Okay? So the Lord, through his circumstance, has given him this opportunity to witness to all these people. All right? Now he's in prison. All right? In comes the chief cupbearer for the Pharaoh of Egypt. All right? He had done some stuff. They had thrown a couple of guys in prison. All right? He's in there. Okay, and as he's in there, he's trying to work as hard as he can to help this guy, okay, interpret dreams. All right, so he, the, the cupbearer's having these dreams. He wants to know what they mean. And one of the things he interprets for the cupbearers, he tells him, you're going to go back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's going to take you back. When he does, put in a good word for me, right? Like, help me out a little bit. So exactly what he told him would happen would happen. Pharaoh brought him back in the exact sequence that uh, Joseph told him he would, okay? and he forgets about Joseph. Okay? So here I am. He's like, well, I did this, and here I am. I'm still stuck here. Okay? He forgets about him. Two years, okay? two years of Joseph sitting in prison after he's already helped this guy get out, who's supposed to help him get out. He's still sitting there. Pharaoh has two dreams one night, and he wants to know what they mean. So the cupbearer comes in the next day, hears about the dreams, and in his mind he's like, well, I can get somebody to tell you about the dreams. He's sitting in the prison right down the road. His name's Joseph. Okay? So for two years, the Lord made Joseph sit there and wait for his plan. Right? Be content where he was. Continue to do with what he's allowed in the prison to be a witness for the Lord. But he made him wait two years. It wasn't this happened that day and then the next day I'm out. Okay, so Joseph gets brought to Pharaoh. Okay, he interprets Pharaoh's dreams, and what he decides in those dreams, okay, or what he tells him is there's going to be seven years of a really great harvest. Okay, then there's going to be seven years of famine. So you better make sure during these seven years of harvest that you're doing everything you can to get ready for those next seven years. Okay, so he suggests that they start preparing and storing up food. All right, so Pharaoh obviously likes this, right? interpretation of dreams was a big deal in that time um, and he believed that this was true okay so pharaoh like that he takes joseph and he makes him the head of state and puts him in charge of preparation for the famine in seven years so when you're the head of state in egypt in that time you had one boss it was pharaoh that was it so now the greatest empire in the world he's number two in charge just like that so think about that journey that he went through okay at this point he's 30 years old so I'm 32, okay? So when I read this, I tried to relate it to me a little bit. At 30 years old, okay, for 13 years, all right, he's been suffering and struggling. And then just like that in one day, God makes him the second most powerful man in the world, really, at that time. It's wild, right? You never know when just like that, God's going to use you in a special way, right? Okay, so his wisdom and planning was able to save thousands and thousands of lives, once he was put in that position. So the Lord worked, and he was able to make him and move him and do all these things with him, but he stayed faithful to the Lord, which is really important, okay? Maybe God's at work in your situation, and you don't even realize it, okay? And what you've got to realize is you're sitting at this move. God could be working something for you 10 moves ahead, right? But it takes you being diligent in this move, where I am, where he has me, what he's doing with me right now, okay? 
Another thing that I think is really important from this story is that God notes faithfulness. So you're faithful to God. He notes that. He sees everything. He hears everything. But he takes note of those that are faithful. Once saved, always saved, right? And that's how it is no matter what. But being faithful is really, really important. No matter what it is, okay? So just think about that. Look back on that. Joseph, okay, he became a shepherd at the age of nine. All right, so he's out there in his field taking care of the sheep while his older brothers are out doing things like we talked about, okay? At 17-year-old, he became a prisoner and a slave. He was that way until he was 30. Now he's the second most influential person in all of Egypt, okay? He stayed a ruler in that role for 80 years. He died when he was 110. So he suffered for 17 years, for over 80 years of being able to work for the Lord at the highest possible place he could go, right? But through those 17 years, he had no idea that's where that would lead him. So just know, you have no idea where God's leading you, right? You don't know, and you guys are right at that time right now where you're figuring that out, right? This is the time where you're trying to kind of see where you want to lead. You may end up coming out and feeling like, I'm done with school. This is where I think God has me. I came out, I worked in business for a year, was there for a year, felt like the Lord was calling me back into athletics as a way to minister and witness to people. And you never know, that could change, the Lord could work in your heart and really move you in a different direction than you may think you're at right now, and that's okay. Right? But you've got to be willing and open to hear that, and you've got to trust that every move he's putting you in and putting you through is his plan, right? So one thing that I've done as I've gotten older uh, like one thing that I struggle with personally is like during my quiet times and um, trying to get into the word, how do you do that, right? So whenever I talk to a group, there's two things that I always kind of like to bring in because it's just different, uh, but I do think that it helps and it's a challenge, okay? So one thing that I started doing is one, I went through and I was like, I'm going to read all the red words in the Bible. So I just, we just started and just read all the way through, okay? Pretty much the first part of the New Testament and then just kept working through. So did that, all right? Then I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back because my little boy's three, so we're starting to read stories and, um, you know, the stories that I read as a child, I want to go back and try to get a different perspective on those as an adult, right? So Noah and the Ark, Jonah and the Whale, David and Goliath, those stories, right? So David and Goliath, all right? I just want to share a couple things with you about that story to challenge you, okay, and tie in with what we've been talking about, all right? So David's there, Goliath. Big giant wanting to fight everybody, everybody's scared of him. So David was a shepherd. Okay. So a shepherd at that time, they stay out in the field, they protect the sheep. I think we all know that. Right? But one of their things during that time and where David lived, he's out in the field with his bare hands. He's fighting lions, he's fighting bears. That's what he's doing. Okay. So for him, he's a young guy, his burden is to stay out there. The sheep need to stay safe. All right. So he just sees him fighting those animals and protecting the sheep. As part of his duty. Ultimately, what was really happening is God was training him for this moment against Goliath. Right? He didn't know it. Right? But so you go into battle, he's rolling out there to battle to fight a giant, and he spent a large portion of his childhood fighting the, the greatest wild animal that he could find, pretty much. Right? So he did not have the intimidation. He knew God was with him, he knew God had prepared him. Okay? Two other things that I thought were interesting about that story, and this will kind of be the last, last part about that, but they put a bunch of armor on him. Everybody's different, right? They put a bunch of armor on him. They said, you're going to go into battle. He was like, this isn't how the Lord has prepared me with this armor. Like, I don't need the armor. 
I trust that God will take care of me. Right? They gave him a big sword and a big staff. But what did he want? He wanted a sling and stones. Because that's what he's used to, right? The Lord had prepared him with that. But the Lord had prepared him. And that's the most important thing. And the greatest thing I, I, I found that you go back and read it, and I encourage you all to do that because it's a good story to get to read. When it came time to fight, he ran the battle, which I like, right? I coach defense on the football team. It's all about being aggressive, and we're trying to be angry, and we're running and tackling the guy with the ball, right? He ran the battle. It wasn't, I'm sneaking up there, I'm nervous. He had full confidence, and he ran right towards Goliath. So whatever you are struggling with, whatever you're trying to fight through, understand that God has prepared you for that, right? And if you don't feel like he has, then maybe he's trying to grow you through it and get you where you need to be, okay? But these stories, like, I want to encourage you to do that as you guys hear things and that you try to see the stories in the Bible can directly relate to life in 2021. Direct correlation. Try to find that and see how that pertains to you, okay? Last thing I got for you. I actually have a quote here, um, and this is, I've done good. I haven't really talked anything about football, right? I've made it almost the whole time. My last thing is something that I want to share with you, okay, from one of my old teammates. Um, me and Justin played with him at Furman, okay? And this was a guy, um, after I had left, he was a little bit younger than me, um, but I saw a quote in the paper, and I've always saved it. I keep it on my phone, okay, because I think it gives great perspective in this world that we live in where it's very much about us, okay? This quote really speaks to somebody that's trying to be a good witness and influence on those around them, right? Using the abilities that God has given you to do that. So this guy's name, his name was Mitch McGrath. Um, he was from Florida, had long blonde hair, looked like a surfer guy. I mean, that was him, right? But deep down inside, he loved football and he loved the guys he played with. So maybe you don't play football, that's fine, but uh, maybe you're in the ministry and you're, this is, should be your philosophy about the church that you're with, the student group you're with. Um, maybe in, it's biology class. Maybe my group in biology class, I need to have this mentality towards them. But here's what he said. Okay? It doesn't really matter to me if anybody thinks I've had a good game. The most important thing to me is that the guy next to me knows that I'm giving my effort and I'm trying to do everything I can to help the team win. That's really the most important thing to me. I try to play to the best of my capabilities every week, whether that shows up in the stats or whether it doesn't, or whether people think that I stood out during the game. It really doesn't matter as long as the guys in the locker room with me know how hard I'm playing for them. I really like to think of myself as someone who goes out there and plays with my heart. When I go out there, I'm not just playing for myself. I play for those guys next to me and my family in the stands. I would like for the people in the stands, if they watched me play before, they would say, I wish I had a chance to play with a guy like Mitch. The guys I play with, my goal is for them one day to maybe tell their kids, that guy Mitch McGrath, he really went out there and gave everything he had for me. That's a selfless attitude, right? And I think it's all trying to find the abilities you have to make people feel that way about you. But when they see you, they see God. So, I noticed so-and-so acts different in class. Why does he act that way? Well, that's called the Lord is working through him, right? Like I hope when people watch me coach, they may say, Coach McCray coaches different. It doesn't have anything to do with football. It's the way he treats people. It's the way that he tries to uplift us. And I hope they say, well, that's the Lord working through him. 
right? So whatever your role is, as you grow, that could be a challenge for some of you guys. Y'all are seniors. You're about to head out into the real world. As you get out there, what will you do that will make people say, man, that person's different, okay? And then when you have a chance to really impact people, that you can take a hold of them and then they feel like, like Mitch said in that quote, that you're doing everything you can to help them grow and be a witness to them, right? So that's all I have. I, ho- I hope that everybody got something out of that. One thing that I wanted to make sure I said before I got done, if you do have questions about your relationship with Christ, one thing that you've got at this school, a lot of people don't have, you have people to talk to, right? All your teachers, all your coaches, anybody. You don't know me, you come down to the football office, find me, we'll talk about it. But you've got unlimited resources if you have questions. Maybe you're saved, but maybe you feel like you still have questions. Those can be answered, right? So make sure you are challenging yourself, that you feel great about that relationship, and that you're continuing to grow every day, okay? I appreciate y'all having me. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll get out of here, okay? Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this great opportunity um, to get together to share your word, to worship you through music. Um, I hope that I was able to get out of the way today that um, someone's heart was spoken to um, by you and what your word says. We know you're a great God. We know that you um, control everything, that you have a mighty plan for each one of us, and that we continue to work hard um, and try to push ourselves to exemplify all the abilities and talents you've given us to glorify you. And that it can be about you. It's not about us, um, but that we can try to be a light for you Um, in this dark world, um, and that those around us, that we can shine your light for them. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. God, guard, directs it all we do today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, thank you. Hey, listen, real quick, I just want to draw attention to one thing that kind of stuck with me that Coach McCray said.